Hello, and welcome to the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. I'm glad you're here. Today's episode is part of the SLP Spotlight series, where I talk with SLPs in a variety of SLP positions and settings, doing things that we knew SLPs did, but also working in areas that we've never thought or heard of SLPs working in. It is amazing the opportunities these SLPs have taken and where their careers have gone. This is storytelling time. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Missing Link for the SLPs podcast. I am here with Suleika Price, who is one of the up and coming authors. She just completed a book, which I think is going to take off, called The Tattletales of a Speech Language Pathologist, The CFY's Guide to Surviving the Skilled Nursing Facility, which just released February 8th. Welcome to our program. Thank you so much, Maddie. It's very nice to be here today. I'm really excited to get to talking about my book. This will be a fun conversation because your book was a really fun and engaging book to read. It was so friendly and organized and very useful. How'd you come up with the idea? Well, thank you so much. I'm really glad you had a chance to read it and I'm really glad that you liked it. I was really hoping that it would just kind of reach the people's level, just on a real level um, and be able to engage with people. I intended for it to be something that was entertaining because sometimes you just have to be able to laugh. You know, being a professional, sometimes you take yourself way too seriously. And one of the things that I love to do is just bring myself. And one of the things that I love about myself is that I love to laugh. So bring that to the job. You were asking about my SLP story of origin. You know, I started in high school, really, knowing that I wanted to work with a population of people that had difficulty communicating. At first, I thought that this group that I would be working with was the deaf population. Somehow or another, I ended up in geriatrics. And, you know, I think that that road was so complex and turned turnabout Um, but I'm happy with where I ended up because I learned so much from it. I made so many connections during that time. And, you know, the area of SLP that I was working with and that I was treating was something that was so unique and, um, was very challenging. And I'm sure that all areas of SLP are challenging, but medical SLP is something that I feel that people really need, um, some insight to before getting into it, um, just to know what there is to look for and what there is that you'll need to be prepared for and um, to handle. Um, and, you know, it's not something that you can just simply look up. You really do have to know the right people. You do have to, you know, have the right kind of exposure. And that is what I'm seeking to give to people who don't necessarily have that just yet. I totally agree. That's what Fresh SLP is all about. It's those first few steps into the medical SLP, doing it smartly, bravely, evidence-based practice, and with the support you need. Your book will provide that. So you have been, when was your CF clinical fellow? You've been a speech pathologist for how long? Two and a half years. So I started my clinical fellowship in August of 2018, and I was done in about May of 2019. All right. And you started in a skilled nursing facility as your clinical fellow. 
Yes, I did. How did that go? Well, there were a lot of bumps getting towards it. Um, Finding the position itself with my agency was not very difficult. Um, I did my interview and I was hired on the spot, but it was just uh, a matter of getting a place that was in New York City because the agency that I contracted with worked all over New York state. And originally my idea was that I was going to have to move. And that is a situation that some people do fall into where to find the right position, especially in medical SLP, moving is something that they might consider because of how competitive and difficult it might be to find the right type of position. But instead of moving, I, um, I waited because I wanted to stay in New York city Um, and after, I guess you can say it was about three months after I graduated, then I finally was able to find a place that was in Queens, New York. And, um, I stayed there, um, for two years before I, um, I left and I, you know, look for new ways to advance and expand my experience in SLP. Good story. Here you are today, two and a half years down the road and your book is now published. Tell us about your book. So my book is called Tattletales of a Speech-Language Pathologist. It is the first in what is hopefully to become many, um, a series of books, actually. Um, That is just speaking from a very real perspective of somebody who has been down the road. Um, This particular book is about working in the skilled nursing facility, Um, the reason why I felt that this was necessary to write about is because it's a sort of complex sort of setting. Um, you know, what meets the eye at the very beginning, maybe even as a student, but definitely for somebody that's from the outside looking in, it's not the same as somebody who is really in the setting, especially for uh, an extended period of time. And, um, you know, working with the ins and outs of how things might go. It is a place that is ever-changing. You know, the policies and procedures are, you know, constantly working by the state rules. And, you know, we have gone through a year-long period of COVID. And that is the, the best way to look at how quickly things can change and how drastically things can change and how everybody is just looking for ways for everybody to be able to function to the best of their potential and the best of the patient's potentials. Um, But things will be ever changing. And, um, you know, there are a variety of different people with different scopes of practice that you will work with. And I think that in the mix of it all, it can become very confusing. It can become very stressful. It can become challenging. Um, And you always want to be doing things from, you know, from your perspective in a way that is going to best benefit not just your patient, but also yourself. Um, So this book is written for clinical fellows. But I believe that it can benefit people that are grad students, people that are even earlier in their education that just know what they want to do and know that this is an area that interests them, 
that um, <clears throat> maybe they, they've known somebody that worked in this setting. Maybe they've had a family member that has been a patient in this setting. Whatever has <clears throat> revealed this to you, um, just to get to know more about the ins and outs of it um, and get to know, you know, just kind of like tips and tricks, um, things to look out for, um, just, you know, a, a view from somebody who's been down the path. So the book has two main parts, if I remember correctly, you've got the orientation and then the real nuts and bolts of what's going on. So everything is, it's, you've given overview of here's where you're going and here's who you're going to be working with. And then a lot of specific problem solving solutions for, for example, making friends with the kitchen staff or mm-hmm. working with, you know, CNAs. Tell us more so, about how structure the book. Yeah. So the book is structured into five parts, actually. The first part is orientation, where I just kind of help the readers get to know me and then get to know themselves a little bit. In Mirror Mirror, which is third chapter, I ask a lot of questions about, say, like, you know, what your weaknesses and your strengths are, like what your motivation is, why you got into the field, what you're really looking for. So I, in addition to helping the reader get to know how I got into things, just help them reflect on what helped them get to where they are now. Um, I have part two, which is welcome to the sniff. I do talk about um, things related to um, other people that you'll be working with, your coworkers, the power structure, and um, kind of just how to manage your productivity. Then I have part three, which is called the sniff procedures and processes. So I talk a little bit about evaluation and treatment, referral. I talk about documentation, billing, and PDPM. In part four, I have long-term patient care. And this is more so talking about the population that we work with, people that um, are older. Um, Some of those people have, you know, a set of diagnoses that we'll see often. So I talk in this part, especially about dementia. Um, I talk about the declining patient who is um, nearer to the end of life. Um, I talk about death and dying. I talk about patient privacy. And then I talk about what leads us to discharge. Um, And in part five, I talk about taking care of yourself while taking care of others. So this is sort of the fun part. Um, You know, things that we might not necessarily think about at first. Um, I talk about taking vacation and then a little bit of self-care. I talk about COVID, my experience with it in my last months in the SNF. I talk about um, starting off with retirement And um, I give a few secrets at the end, some things that I feel helped me kind of find my footing in my career, Um, things that nobody is ever going to really tell you, things that you really do have to realize and figure out, um, things related to your ethics, 
things related to your time, things related to managing a crazy world around yourself and just knowing how to maintain sane, your sanity within it. Your style of writing is fun and engaging and easy to read. Have you been writing for a long time? I have been writing since I was a child. Um, I spent a lot of time alone as a child um, and writing was definitely one of my favorite hobbies. I always wanted to be an author and I tell the readers about that in my author's note that that is something that has been very important to me since I was very young. What was your favorite chapter to write? Oh, that's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really hard one. I'm not sure, you know. Mm. Your your, your writing is so creative. For example, the title of your chapter about dementia. The people are seeing ghosts. Yes. (laughs) The title is fun and engaging. And so it's it's just kind of like a box of crackers. You just, you eat one cracker and you're, oh, that was so good. I'm going to go back for more. And that is the way I read through your book. It was, and I've worked in 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 that setting for years, mm-hmm. and it was just very enjoyable, very valid, very true. The parts about the end of life I thought were particularly brave, because mm-hmm. we don't always talk about some of those messier parts in grad school, those more difficult parts. We need to. We need to start telling students the real stuff. Um, you know, in grad school, we are so focused on book knowledge. Um, and that is entirely important, but, um, to not really have the full story until you get into the setting is, Mm -hmm. you know, it is setting up people for, I mean, I wouldn't say it's setting them up for failure. Maybe that's too strong of a way to put it, but, um, I read, um, I I follow a Facebook group um, and I read the other day, somebody that posted saying like, um, they have a thing with um, things that look disgusting or smell disgusting. Um, Will they ever get over that? They really want to work in meta SLP, but they don't know if they, um, if they can get over having this like reaction to like, being close to people's mouths and things that grow in the mouth. And um, I tend to respond in these groups and I give people the real, like what, like for something like that, um, I tell people, yeah, you're going to have to be comfortable dealing very close to that kind of thing. Um, And this is why, and this is where it comes from. And this is how to kind of keep your hygiene and keep safe around it. There are ways to manage, but you can't believe that things are just going to not happen or that they're just going to magically be okay. Like you have to create a system for yourself. And the only way that you can really create a system for yourself is by having all of the information. Um, So, I mean, I think that in an externship, one can really learn a lot. Um, But, you know, In the process of choosing externships, if you um, are in a program that allows you to choose, which I assume all of them do, 
um, you want to know that something is going to be right for you. So not having any sort of knowledge about what you're gearing up to do is, you know, sort of unfair in a way. Um, I was, I was lucky because I, I knew people before I went to grad school and I had some exposure before I went to grad school. So when I was in grad school, I knew exactly what I was looking for. I knew what externships I wanted to choose. I got into the medical setting earlier than others. Um, and I was able to get two medical settings while others were able to get maybe just one. And when it was time for my CFY, um, it was perhaps just a little bit, you know, I, I had a foot in the door already, um, for, for what it was that I was going to be going through. And even with that, I didn't know enough. And when I'm writing my tattletales, as I call them, it's like, wow, like, when you think you know everything, you still don't know everything until you are experiencing it. Firsthand, you are left alone. <laughs> You're left alone to deal with um, a case that you may feel unprepared to handle completely. And while you have your supervisor, your supervisor might not be somebody that's on site and in the meantime, while you figure out the questions that you may have to ask, whatever it is that you may have to document, whatever it is that you may have to do in the, in the way of referral, whatever it is that you have to do in the way of screening or evaluating, you know, you just want to have things in place. You want to have a system. Yeah. <laughs> and your book gives that system. I have been in the field for many, many years, and I'm always learning and always applying, and I hope to always learn and apply. I consider the work that we do as medical SLPs um, very honorable, especially with the end of life. I think yeah. two of the most important times in a person's life is when they're born and when they die. Yep. Honor them then, and your, your, your book does a good job with that. What words of advice do you have for the new graduate student or the clinical fellow who's just starting out on his or her journey? I think that an inward look on oneself is really important. And I write a, a chapter based on just questions that one should ask themselves um, about the strengths and weaknesses that they may have to really face those things prior to getting into the setting um, and to know what your motive is and what your outcome is ideally um, so that you are going headfirst towards that, that thing that you really, really want to achieve. Because in the midst of being in such a complex environment, it is easy to sort of get lost in all of the policies and the procedures, mm -hmm. the productivity, what everyone else around you wants you to do, mm -hmm. uh, because it will be a lot. It will be a lot of things that other people want from you that, um, you know, you may just lose sight of the most important things to you. So if there is a particular set of things that you know you want to learn about um, 
for instance, um, I really, really wanted to learn fees um, when I, you know, was graduating. It was even on my grad cap. <laughs> uh, it says now to handle these fees. So it's a play on words. Um, but um, it is something that I that I wanted to learn. It's just one example of many. But just to to stay your your ground there um and to um continue to to present new opportunities to yourself so that as you are providing all of this care for your patients you are uh moving about a setting in which you know people have needs of you um that you're continuing to present yourself with new opportunities so that you're not just checking off boxes, the same boxes every day. What is one of your biggest frustrations working in a SNF? One of my biggest frustrations was that there were a lot of instances in which I felt like my voice was not being heard. Mm -hmm. um, I do write about many different examples but um, I think that, you know, with people knowing that I was a new clinician, I have a young face, so people don't assume that I've been in the field for 30 years. Um, also, you know, the people that were there have been doing their jobs for significantly longer than I have. You know, you have CNAs that have been CNAs for 20 years. Um, you have rehab therapists that have been rehab therapists for 20 years. Um, so, you know, people are so used to doing the jobs that they do the way that they do it, that they don't seek as much advice or information mm -hmm. from you as you feel that they, sh that they maybe should, because you're speaking from your scope and maybe you're the only speech therapist in the building and you know what you know um, well enough that your recommendation should be heard. But um, at times, it isn't the case that it's heard right away. Um, you know, one of the frustrations is definitely how often I've had to repeat things, uh, how often I've had to advocate for myself and my patients um, more than once um, to be able to get the outcome that I felt was right. Um, you know, I speak a little bit in the book about how sometimes people can step on your toes and it's not really because they have anything against you. It's just that they do the jobs that they do in the way that they do it. And they're very comfortable in doing it that way. Mm -hmm. So anything that you say that changes that or steers them off the path that they've been on um, may not be received well. And um, I do, you know, give some tips and tricks on ways to navigate that and document that because at the end of the day, that is going to be the most important thing. Have you had any great challenges that you've had to overcome? So many, Maddie, so many challenges. <laughs> um, there have been cases that have come into the facility that I literally didn't even know where to start. 
um, I did a chart review and I, I was like, I've never even, I've never even heard of this before. I don't know what to do first. Um, and, you know, in those cases, you have to be willing to ask for help. And um, you you might have to ask more than one person and you might have to do a little bit of research on the spot. Um, and it's scary because, you know, you have this window that you have to see the patient. You have to do something about mm-hmm. this case. Um, so the pressure is on. But, um, you know, I'll be I'll, I'll do what what I can. Um, to be on the phone, to be in the internet, to do whatever I can to um, to make sure that I can service this patient in the best way that I can with the knowledge that I have and, um, you know, gather as much more knowledge as I can from, you know, my resources, be it my supervisor, my mentor, or others. Well said. You sound very determined, which is, I'm sure, why you wrote a book about your clinical fellow you wanted to share. What has been one of your greatest um, joys with writing the book? How did that make you feel when you finished it? I was so happy to finally finish it. You know, this is not something that a lot of people have advice about. Um, I reached out to a couple of people, um, you know, just with the wonder, like, have you, do you know anybody that has written a book that has gone through the publishing process? Because I think that writing the book was more natural to me because I'm a writer. Publishing the book was something that I had no idea about at all. So um, while there was a lot of self-research, you know, sometimes you want to reach out to people um, that you can talk to, somebody who has been down the road before, you know, um, and that is quite difficult to find because I think that, you know, sometimes you reach out to professors and they may have written a textbook um, and gone down a a traditional publishing route um, while they have decades of knowledge about what they've done. They have a PhD Um, wow, you know, that's not the experience that I have. I was going down a route for self-publishing and I don't have decades of knowledge. Um, I'm simply just sharing what I've been through and how I feel like what I've been through can help somebody else. Um, but, you know, speaking more on the publishing route, I um I did have a bit of a you know a hard time getting everything together. I did, you know, make mistakes along the route as anybody does with somebody with something that they haven't ever done before. Um but you know when I got on the right track then you know things were rolling as they should be but slower than they should be. And uh, that was one of the more frustrating things to handle that I'm such a timely person that things should be done. I I guess I've just gotten stuck in this productivity mindset. So Mm -hmm. things should be done in a fairly decent amount of time. So when it came to, you know, editing, editing took about two months. So that was twice as much as I was hoping it would be, it would be, um, Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, when it came to cover design and, um, you know, other things related to making the book look the way that it should, then those things you don't really factor in because you don't ever really think that they're going to take the time that they might take. Um, but also, um, you know, the ways that you go about self-publishing because there are so many different options um, and so many different people that you might work with along the way. Not all of those people have like the the idea that you have in mind. So, you know, the same piece of information or the same piece of advice that I have for clinical fellows, people that are new to the field, is the same that I have for people who are new to publishing. Keep your, keep your voice, keep the things that you have in mind, keep the, the goals that you have in mind, um, and work alongside people that can help you to achieve that. Um, yeah. Maybe you'd be willing to come back on for another podcast and we'll talk all about publishing. Writing a book sounds oh. fun. Yeah, I would be glad to for sure. So, in closing, one more time, will you tell us your name and the title of your book? My name is Suleika Price, and the title of my book is Tattletales of a Speech Language Pathologist The CFY's Guide to Surviving the Skilled Nursing Facility. First in a series. First in a series, hopefully, yes. Hopefully, <laughs> soon. <laughs> your other series will be about what? Well, right now I'm working in behavioral health. I work in a psych facility and I am learning a lot while I'm there. Um, so I am hoping that this is an area that more speech language pathologists can dip their foot into mm -hmm. because there's even fewer of us mm -hmm. than there are medical SLPs or at least the normal medical SLPs. This is sort of a bridge between medical SLP and I would say school SLP. We will definitely have you back on. Final Thanks. question, and I'm going to love your answer for this. At Fresh SLP, we are creating a word cloud that describes speech pathologist. What word would you choose to put in that word cloud? That describes speech language pathologists doing everything, even though that's two words. Mm -hmm. I find that most speech, speech pathologists that I know do everything um, a little bit too much. Um, they've dipped their foot in a bunch of different areas and, you know, they, they've got a field of knowledge about it like nobody can believe. Mm -hmm. Well, Suleika, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. This was fun. This was very fun. Thank you for having me, Maddie. I hope today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP. Continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the missing link for SLP's podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. 
Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.